Hello, Rachel. Hello, Ryan. How are you going? Oh. Well, you see, <laughs> there's this convenient part of my backstory that I need to stop the yeah. podcast to tell you about. You need to stop the podcast to tell me about your backstory? Yes. Oh, well, while you do that, the uh, computer and I are going to play a game to calm it down because it's having a bit of an emotional crisis as we speak. And so I've but got to do that. You, you tell me your tragic. Story. Well, I can focus on multiple things at the same time. I'm a hero like that. Also, I heard that your ghost dad is visiting the podcast later this well, episode. It's his and... birthday. Oh, good. And you know, I hope that it's a real ghost and not your subconscious coming at you in some bizarre metaphor and theme and foreshadowing for the season to come. Oh, brother, let's get into it. We are Yum Yum Podcast because of Star Trek Discovery's amazing line of dialogue, Yum Yum. And we are re-watching and revisiting and reviewing episodes of Star Trek Discovery. We're in season four, the lowest rated season of the show yet. And we are making our way through it. So people, if you have not caught up with season four of Discovery... We say that you should, because if you are worried about getting spoiled, well, we're going to get into it and spoil it and give I you the details. I don't say that you should watch it. Rachel, I think I misheard you. Did you say they should watch it? I think no, that's what you said. I, I don't think anybody should watch this show. What? Least of all, me. No, Rachel, we're watching Stormy Weather. That's the episode we're watching, episode six. We've made it through six episodes of this season. It's just been flying by. And according to IMDb, it's a 5.3 out of 10, which is very humbling to hear. And the description goes as such. Seeking answers, the USS Discovery ventures into a subspace rift created by the Dark Matter Anomaly. Meanwhile, Book faces a strange visitor from his past. I remember this episode only for one part of it, which was them stuck in this void... This black void of space. The this, science the fiction rift. aspect of this science fiction show. It made me... Is what you re mm -hmm. remember. Well, no, not even that. Really, what I remember is... What I remember is remembering another thing. Which is, oh, I oh, remember okay. how this reminded me of that Voyager episode. Where they're in the void. Where there is no stars, no nothing. It's just black space. And they've been in there for ages. And I, and when I saw it that first time, this one, Stormy Weather, it made me think about how great that Voyager episode was. And how I could have watched a whole season of them stuck in space like that. And the slow mental deterioration and of that ship. time? And this one, uh, watching it, uh, Stormy Weather, I, uh, well, the Ghost Dad, as soon as he came in, I was like, oh, how could I forget Ghost Dad? The great Bill Cosby classic film, Ghost Dad. And Rachel's giving what? me the side eye. She's like, that when would... are we going to cover Ghost Dad? No, no, no. Um, I didn't tell you this. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but you're a ghost and you're a dad. What a time for Rachel to reveal that to her well, husband now, on the pod. Now, now you don't get the story. Um, you want to tell us what this episode's about? How about the yumlings? Do they get the story? Do they at least get it? Only patrons. Oh, you're, you're going to lock it behind the vault? No, what's the story? What's the story? Oh, it isn't even worth this much drama. Everybody gather around. Rachel's got a story. It was recently Ryan's birthday. Yes. And we have a DVD collection. I do, and you do, yes. Yes, it's on DVD we, collection. We, we collect physical media. Yes. So, uh, the day before his birthday... Being the great wife that I am, I went op shopping for his gifts. You could have got Ghost Dad. And I could have got Ghost Dad. You get out of here. I need a new co-host and wife now because my real co-host and wife would have gotten me Ghost Dad starring the amazing Bill Cosby, of course. Honorable, noble man Bill Cosby. Rachel, I've already told you the plot of this episode and my history with it, but what about you? What is your... A relationship with this Stormy Weather. This episode was one that made me scream at that fucking wig. Oh, the wig? Nilsson's the, the, the wig? W- the wig is the star of the episode for me. Still. Uh, fucking wig. My fucking wig. <laughs> Dude, I'm, like, just, why? Why, why is it here? And why does it look so fucking bad? Why are they making the actress wear it? Nobody gives a fuck what her actual hair color is. If the actress has dyed her hair a different color, just let her have that color. Who Great, gives a rat? Who changed their hair? Owo's changed their hair. Fucking Deckmas like changed Bur- their eyes. Burnham had a whole gives- thing about. They had five months off, remember, between seasons. If she came in with a new hairstyle in between those five months, no one would bat an eye. But every time she cuts to this actress in this goofy wig, and you know what really kills it too? It's not just the goofy wig. It's the layers of caked-on makeup that's sweated underneath the seams and the the edges of the the wig. Like... You can sense and or see the texture of the lace. Oh, yeah. It's on the edge of the wig. It, it's truly embarrassing. Even though like, they feel like they've gone in with a smudge tool to try and fix it up sometimes. Uh, yeah. It's astonishing. It's astonishing. Um, on this rewatch, other than other than the wick, other than the do, wick. Wait, do you remember what you... This was your first time round. You're going straight into this experience. Was it the first time round? This was the wig screaming because yes. you're wig screaming this episode. Oh, I, this watch. Was, I was, I was. Um, I remember being confused because what with discovery now. No, that ain't right. What? You're never confused when it comes to discovery. Oh God, never, never. You know, Rachel's angry because she's whispering. No, you were saying you were confused. I was confused as to why Book's dad was here. Oh, 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 now we've watched it. Can you tell me? He got hit with a wave of something that was like electricity that activated the dream part of his brain. 
Okay, and he got told that. Yeah. So why does he even contemplate if it's real, like a real ghost or thing? He doesn't know if he's communing with the spirit of his father. Uh, no, no, he got told for a fact he isn't, and he still takes it at the value that he probably is, because if it isn't, his subconscious is telling him that he's a sexist piece of shit who hates his girlfriend. I don't know if this is actually you, but I'm going to choose to believe it is rather than some part of my subconscious. Because if spirits do go on, that means Leto, Kahim, everyone else I've lost. They're not gone after all. Particularly on this viewing, as well as my first, I felt the script. It's so fucking clunky and obvious obvious and overwrought but somehow underwritten <laughs> and we get these really weird dumps of information like this is a turd of a script there was a script not just an outline because this felt like an outline Here's the outline of characters. Here's the outline of a story. Here's an outline of a theme. And it's as basic as a script's outline. There's no momentum or pacing or structure to it. If there is, it's in the most limited of fashion. Now, I have picked up from both of us. We're very aggressive, usually... We ease into it. Sometimes you're way more over the top, vitriolic, straight from the get go, and I usually build my way up to it and be this defensive made me and mad. Give, but I've yeah. just accepted it. I am uh, taking the gloves off. I I am taking the gloves off. I actually put literal gloves on when I said this. No, the gloves are off. This was the worst episode of season four or thus far for me. I was truly offended by it at every turn. This wasn't every decision. This wasn't every decision. Every decision. Every fucking level, like mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. acting, the sound editing, direction, the direction, the music, f- filmic editing. Oh, oh the my transitions! God. Did you remember the slide transitions? Oh. I I blocked that out. No, blo- you can't. You can't reach the. The characterization, the need to try and have everybody have a moment. Can I give you the... We have an ensemble show. Didn't you know we have an ensemble show? I... See, 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 see. They Mm. had a moment. They had a moment. They had a moment. They had a moment. They had a moment. Everybody gets a moment! You are forgetting the one thing that accompanied every single moment, though. Embarrassment. (laughs) Everyone had a moment which was embarrassing. Oh, that was a moment for Owo. How embarrassing. Oh, that was a moment for Reese. How embarrassing. Oh, that was a moment for Zora and Grey and Deera. I was almost going to say Tilly, but they're not here anymore. <laughs> oh, I, no, no. There she is on the little tree. I saw her. I saw, I saw a cast photo. I saw a cast photo photoshopped onto the little tree there. Oh, man. Oh, God. It's so pathetic. It's so very pathetic. 
No. And that's my history with it. Ooh. To give a positive, because there are some minor ones. There was exactly, and I counted it, I, I, I tallied up all the scenes, I counted every single scene, every single no, scene you even, in an episode, every, I counted it. Count, every time you counted, you turned to me and you went, that was a nice moment. And how many times did I do that? Once. Mm-hmm. Every time we watch something, <laughs> I actually make sure to verbalize to you when we're watching it that I actually think that worked or that was a good idea or that was a good moment of acting. I actually praise things out loud when watching it. You don't do that as no. a viewer as much. I do uh, when we're watching Discovery. when we're watching this. Uh, and uh, there was only one scene that was good in the it, entire 45 minutes. It's not even a minutes. whole scene. I like the, the not whole. Even a whole scene that you like. I liked a you whole scene didn't... of Book and Saru talking at the end. That's it. I liked it from the beginning, middle, and end of their conversation. It made sense from both characters' points of view, both characters' uh, ideologies and personalities made sense. The dialogue coming out of their mouth felt natural enough. With that blend of obviously giving us messaging and themes, which is wasn't very clear ADR from Doug Jones. No clear use of plaguing this episode. Mm -hmm. But to go through that scene, a moment or that conversation, it was refreshing to hear the negatives of a character that comes across as so virtuous, and in a way that wasn't embarrassing or cringeworthy or false. Saru has a backstory that we've seen play out in the show from him being a slave race, and it's still poignant to him. Even though the Barul have been conquered and they're now at peace and they're a thousand years in the future, that was there to tell us that, hey, we may have reset and redone everything about the Saru character practically, but there's this element that we haven't. And I was glad that they mentioned it and not only mentioned it they actually delved into it and used it to reflect upon another character it is that great way that discovery uses characters mainly saru formerly tilly as well use these characters as conduits to uh interact motivate bounce off of other characters in an episode that is sorely lacking at a lot of a lot of times. A lot of times, Michael, the way she motivates or empowers other characters, is very empty, and I don't know where she comes from a lot of the time, emotionally or psychologically or history-wise. I don't know where you she comes like from. You mean like in this episode when she's just like, "Hey, you're scared mm -hmm. of letting people die. My parents were murdered one time, and I thought it was my fault." She didn't say to Zora, though, then I realized through time travel shenanigans in season two that it wasn't my fault, so it's that fine. That really did, did help her heal that particular mm -hmm. trauma. Mm -hmm. um, but it's about emotions. But, but mm. to, to not get sidetracked from this good scene here, he sees something in book that is obvious to us, the audience, but it isn't obvious to Michael, who is just putting blinders up to these aspects of the character of Book, who's her boyfriend, because bad writing, but also to give them some credit, 
it is in character for her to push these things to the side. And that doesn't negate the fact that they exist. And so someone like Saru, who is empathetic and has these abilities to see these cracks in the armor of others and actually talk to them about it and help them, it made sense. And if more scenes were like this, where they perfectly tie in character backstories and things we've seen in the show and tie them into episodes and have the themes of the the said episode help guide the scene that would make it a great episode if every scene was combined well of written. all of these things yeah and well acted and it you makes sense good if the episode was good it would be good well obviously that's the statement but it is about how this scene works yes this scene is a glorious exception to the rule of Star Trek Discovery. You're grinding your teeth as I talk to you about this, but did this scene work for you as well or not? Yes and no. It worked better than the others, but it still felt clunky to me because it was like, and now it's Saru's turn. Uh, but Doug Jones does a good enough job that I uh, I'm not angry about it. The guy who plays Book did a good job too. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that too, but like I really enjoy, I really enjoyed Saru's moment within that scene because I was pissed off at Book. Oh, he's so a little I, baby in this. Episode. I I didn't give a fucking shit. And I give even less of a shit now how I, I know how much of a fuck-up he's going to be. The rewatch does not help. No! Watching scenes with Book, because I know he's just going to be such a little turd throughout this season. He's such a fucking little turd, and then <sighs> he turns around... And, oh. We'll get there, we'll get there. We, we'll, we'll get there, but it makes this stage... Worse, well, knowing where it goes, because this whole thing is no, Dad. I get to choose my own path, and I'm not uh-huh. gonna be like you. I'm not gonna let the anger take control of me and let a bigger power influence my decisions. And mm-hmm. I am a true Quasar man. Man, manly man. And then he proceeds to do the things. I drink, I drink respect women juice, Dad. (laughs) He does the thing that his dad tells him to do. Well, you see, he also admits that he's a lot like his dad. Perhaps always like it's already kind of what he's doing because he's trying to find who Mm, is is. behind the DMA, DMA, so that he can kill them because. They destroyed his planet. Uh, Not only that, mainly it's about his family. His family. His family. It's about family. Also the the tree, that tree that he loves so much that he has the the wood of it. The wood, no, the tree that had the root and he has the wood of it in his ship and and the dad comments like, that's a nice nice detail, son. And then the dad looked uh, looked off the side of the screen 
and you saw the camera pan over and the set, you know, disappeared and it's just a soundstage. And he looked at the uh, set designer over there and he gave them a thumbs up and said, great job, great job. And then stagehands came around and gave that person a cake and everybody clapped. Well, really great, really great touch there with the wood thing. It was really great set design. Thank you. I have this to say about the scene. I have this to say about the scene. I have this to say about the scene, Rachel. I have this. No, no. I have this to say. No, it's it's real. The wood thing's real. I have this to say about the set design. I mean, not the set design. The scene is it demonstrates that they can write, and thus I'm angry. In other episodes, I get less angry when there's a whole 45 to 50 minutes of them not demonstrating the ability to write or where there's far more examples of it and they've just fucked it up here the episode is a complete misfire a complete failure a complete screw-up an ineptitude of a magnitude that i can't even comprehend and then they have one scene one moment where they showed me that they could do it. I'm one. And it makes me angrier than the other two options that I just went through. Because, at least with those other two options, I get something more out of it. Like, like when there's just nothing throughout the whole episode, I can just be like, okay, well, that was just a waste of my time. Well, how fucking stupid was that? Nothing. Or the kind of all-is-possible episode where it's like, they have all these things they could have done, and they fucked it up, but we could fix it. Here, the fact that it's there once just irritates me because i don't know it just just makes my brain catch fire with with rage and anger at at them as writers because it's like you can do it you can do it and you waited till near the end to show us that you can write a scene that makes fucking sense and have characters breathe and talk like people and not just people talk like them and i i i I mean i'm just i'm just i'm just seething right now but how do you feel about that how do you land with that are you in a similar boat to me or are you just elsewhere with it because to me i that came upon as a dawning realization of yeah this is a scene i liked but it's a double-edged sword yeah it's fucking annoying but i didn't enjoy it as much as you did so i didn't find it as like it it didn't give me hope. Even if it was a good scene, it didn't give me hope for anything better. So it didn't make me angry. But you seem so balanced. So calm. You're never both those. justified in our anger. Allowing it to be our focus, however, only prevents us from achieving those things which serve the greater good. Let's talk about the ghost dad. We've already touched upon it. Uh, And I just want to go through it again. Book and the crew are trying to find something with a DMA and they go into this void or this rift or whatever and they want to get out of there and they don't know how. So one of the options is to use the spore drive and they try to jump out using Book as the person plugged in and Stamets reading the things on the hollow screen and book gets zapped with lightning basically yeah void lightning and 
I want to ask you this now. Now, this may be my eyes, and I know your eyes can be better with special effects than mine. Um, they show a bunch of wibbly wobbly stuff on the the hologram screen, and and Stamets says this is what the mycelial network looks like usually, and then he showed it what it looks like now, and I couldn't tell the difference. I, I really couldn't tell the difference because it was just a bunch of wiggly lines at me, and I couldn't. I really couldn't tell you the difference. It was denser. How did you tell that? There was more blue. More blue in the already blue lit hologram thing. Yeah, there was more dots. I think. Okay, I I I, I will take your word so for it. Their path around the network wasn't clear. Uh, okay, I think it was. Like, I took it as the normal mycelial network was there and there's this kind of subspacey mm. network. And Book got zapped by lightning and it gave him funky brain where his ghost dad shows up occasionally. Yeah, it's fairly infrequently. And Why? also very specifically timed. Oh. Uh, in terms of, it's like, oh, it's going away. Ghost Dad will be gone in like an hour. Yeah, I want to know how they got the exact time on that. Did did Hugh have a little egg timer ready for it when it popped off and that's when your dad goes away book? I, I think that this is an idea that is a waste of time and it's even more of a waste of time because they don't commit to it. They don't commit to it. Because you hear the idea that he gets zapped with lightning from the subspace network And you're like, mushrooms. oh, that's a subplot? That's a plot where his brain is activating the dream part of it all the time. And that's what he says all the time. It's, it's constantly active. No, it isn't. Sometimes it's way more active and sometimes it's not. Because this is the episode plot you write. His ghost dad is around all the time bugging him throughout the episode or he is in a dreamscape throughout reality the whole time like he's walking around and he's he can't tell f- truth from fiction and dreams from reality that's what you do and they have to figure out what to do but no it is just book is right an episode book's dad only appears when it's relevant to hit the thematic message and to push his character arc for the season along a little bit. He is a metaphor character purely and he doesn't offer too much because once you meet him the first time you know exactly what he is and every time he keeps popping back up that ghost dad, he's not expanding our understanding he's not furthering it he's not detailing it you got it from the one time he showed up Every single other time he keeps popping in, you're just watching the same scene again. You're just watching the same scene again, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, how did you fare with Ghost Dad on, on this watch? You you said it was one of the things you remembered from that first watch. Yeah. Just as pathetic this time than it was the first. What, like... The actor doesn't do a very good job. <laughs> no. Uh, which no. makes it worse each time he pops up because I'm like, oh, get the fuck out of here. 
Yeah. Like, they can't it, get good actors just, for Book's family, huh? Just, like... He's not a person, he's just an emotion. And what emotion the actor is shifts slightly mm-hmm. throughout the scene. But it doesn't feel like a person at any point. Mm. And, you know, that could be a stylistic choice in a better show. But here it just feels like the actor is like, oh, in this line, I'm angry. I am angry man now. And in this line, I whisper anger. And in this line, I articulate my anger. And in this line, I am misogynist man. I got nothing out of it. I understood what they were saying. I understood what they were doing. On a rewatch, I understand the dramatic irony of book thinking that he will not act like this and then he will proceed to act like this throughout the rest of the season. I get it. Oh, it's not that I don't get it. It's that I got nothing out of it. There is a difference between the two things. My father had so much anger in him. I told myself I'd never be like that. Maybe I am. All I want to do is destroy them. They tried to do something in this episode that we and many people have grilled the show on as uh, as it's been going along. Which is, it's an ensemble show. It's a show filled with many characters, many people. And oftentimes you don't feel the cast in the show. We even know what's happening with Linus in this episode. And he doesn't even physically appear. And they tried. Linus gets a moment. They, he gets lots of lines about him, yeah. They tried to give everybody a moment and a thing to do to add to the story. I commend the attempt, or not even the attempt, I commend the fact that they... The notion? The notion that they would give it to... That they've listened to the criticism of that, and they're actively trying to do something. Too bad what they gave us was... No hyperbole, fucking pathetic. (laughs) Fucking pathetic. Every time they gave a character a moment that wasn't our usual mains. Even with our usual mains. Oh, yeah. Well, that goes without saying. But Grey, Zora. uh, Detma. Detma. Bryce. Oh, oh, especially. Oh, uh, God. The Doctor Lady. You are in Grave. Danger. Grave. You are in immediate peril. Mm-hmm. Do not stop for this. Don't. Oh, oh, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Tell him his ta- the sad story after. Okay, can we... Can after. We, can we Can we get into Oh, oh? She's the, the prime example of this. <gasps> Do you want to walk us through the apparent journey of the character in this episode she she goes on a bit of a bit of a tirade and then she learns a thing or two so she challenges one of Saru's orders so um she's like I want to go down here and do this thing because there's this problem 
And Saru's like, no. And she's like, but Saru! Not only that, he says, no, I've got a much better... So-. He doesn't just say no, he goes, no. And he gives her the solution that will work and that won't cost lives. It's not that he just says no. He gives no problem. He gives a solution to it. He doesn't yeah. just shut her down. He's a good leader there. And then she replies with, no, in a very catty way. Yeah. Just want to point that out because that's very important that he doesn't just go, no, oh, oh. He gives her like a fucking reason. You as a teacher know that that's how you have to interact sometimes with, say, students yeah. or co-workers. You, you don't just walk up and go, no. You say, no, but here's a... Here's why I'm going to do it this way, or here's a solution that can be... explain the why. And that does a lot to negate people's concerns. Uh, But, so we have that moment, and we're like, Owo doesn't usually act like this. And she's not one that challenges orders. No. She's one that follows them and follows through on things but is good at following the chain of command and believing in the expertise and insight of her commanding officers Uh and we've seen that over and over and over again and the way she With goes about lots it. lots of different... Commanding officers? Commanding officers. She's had how many? Like five? In the span of two years? Well, yeah, she does... She Lorca. did it with original... Or, like, she wasn't there Lorca. with Georgia. She was there with Lorca. No. But even with the general or no, admiral, admiral well, let- she... Followed her orders we, 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 without problem. Yeah, we've literally had Lorca, Saru when he took over for Lorca. Yeah, uh, Michael. P- Michael, Pike, Saru when he's actually captain. Yeah. Uh, like, like yeah, she's had five. like five. Yeah. People. And no problem at any stage with following orders, respecting authority, nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. But yeah. apparently... It's this moment. It's this moment that made her deeply connect back to a sad moment from her childhood <sighs> where she had a friend that was dying and the village healers were doing everything they could but they couldn't save her, so all she could do was watch her friend die. die. How does that relate to the scenario and that was happening on the ship? that's why she was arguing back with Saru. How does that, how does that relate to she anything? She needs to explain that as possibly her final words. Because they are going into the pattern buffer, which has its risks, risks, which is code for we're going to do this thing now, but we need to make it somehow not available to us all of the fucking time. Yeah, because we could solve everything with the pattern buffer. What even makes it worse is when she does that initial screaming 
fucking flailing about defiance Should against Saru. You don't know why she's doing it, Shut and the fuck and up, I baby. and 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 she keeps throwing it at Saru like this is an ongoing thing that she's had an issue with him about, and we haven't really seen that. And I want to get your read on this this statement I'm going to make, and I'm I'm I know that it doesn't go this way, but each time I've seen it, that moment initially I'm I think to myself, is she upset with him because he's being inadvertently sexist towards her? Because the way she comes at it, I don't know, there was something in that initial back and forth where it comes across like, you don't believe in me, sir. Michael believes in me. Like, I just don't know what the... Like, uh, I know what they go with later, but in that I moment, I, I, for some reason I read it that yeah. way. And maybe that's because Discovery does that a lot. Uh, I, I don't get a whiff of that. Okay, see, I know that... Uh, I read some stuff into that, so I need you to bounce off yeah, when it comes that way. Everybody and... brings their own. Because viewpoint. okay, here's why. I don't know why she's mad at Saru. He's great. He's no, a fucking good officer. He no, makes sense. He's command I, decisions. I never saw it as her actually being mad at Saru as the individual. Oh, it's I... Saru being a barrier to her doing what she wants to. do. Do. Yeah, but I don't I, know why I, she. For some but reason, I don't know why she a... wants to do what she wants to do until like forty minutes. Anyway. Until like forty minutes later, and then I don't fucking care. As, even after I find out, and then as you said it, the backstory of why she was defiant here. How does that relate to anything? How does that relate to the crisis that she wanted to go off to and save? How does it that doesn't re- relate to that? It just relates to her getting pissed that somebody told her no. Okay, I'll bring it back to you being a, a teacher again. You're in a classroom. Yeah. You tell a kid to sit down. He says no. He says no, miss. I don't want to sit down. Fuck you. Blah 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 blah. That's not right. You go, okay, and then they eventually sit down. Now, imagine when the kid comes up to apologize to you for not wanting to sit down, and they bring up a fucking story like that, and you're like, well, okay, I guess that's sad, but how does that relate to this? Like, okay, great. Like, you've told me something, but it's like, that doesn't mean, like, that doesn't relate to this. Like, great, now I know some tragic backstory for you, but... All you needed to do was sit down, kid. That's all you needed to do. All she needed to do was just sit down, kid. Is Owo... She was being told to sit back down at her console. At her job. Quite literally. Literally, literally. Owo has a Luddite background. She's from a village. We've been told this many times during the show. And I don't know if... I have the ability to answer this strongly, nor do you, but we're here to talk on a podcast, and I'd love to hear people's opinions on this. They, in my opinion, use her background in a very patronizing, manipulative, and tokenistic fashion. Derogatory? It feels derogatory. Because it's like, oh, the village healers. It's just like... I can hold my breath underwater so long because I lived in a village, remember? And, like, on and on it goes. judgment about it. It feels very throwback to old school TV where any foreign person, any other, could come in and be like, 
I have this ability from my tribalistic background because of course I do. It really it makes me think of Lone Ranger, honestly. Where it's like, oh, Lone Ranger, if he can't solve it, the Native Americans have their traditions that will be obviously important because mysticism and, 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 and racist ideas about how Native Americans oh, work. So when in doubt, Lord. they have some Band-Aid to work on it. That's how I come across yeah. with this. Like Every time, without a doubt, she'll come in with some backstory from how she grew up in a tribe in a village and it will be some very ham-fisted thing that somehow saves the day and or is an important moment in an episode and you sit there going, okay, where did this come from? Well, I guess it came from her past, so I'm not allowed to criticize it, I guess. Weave it into the story more. Show me more. Give me something, but this is how they give it to you. These things... Oh, uh, how they give us dumped. characters. It's just dumped in your lap. I owe you an apology. When I was younger, my best friend got sick. She needed more help than our community's healers could give. I wanted to do something, but there was nothing to be done. And in the end, all I could do was watch her die. I felt powerless. You bore witness, Commander. That is something. And I thank you for sharing your story with me. Oh, one of the strengths inadvertently of the episode, and I say inadvertently because as the series goes along, they want you to not think of this as a thing, but it really is. This episode makes a fantastic case for why the ship's computer shouldn't have emotions and be alive. Absolutely. Oh, this makes a great case for why they need to get rid of it immediately it's a danger zora oh my god here's here's something that really bugs me if you told me talking about the potential of this series you told me okay we're gonna have a star trek show new show here's the pitch blah 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 we've gone through all the great things that could have been one of the great things that could have been is oh and as the show goes along through circumstances the ship's ai comes alive and it forms a personality and it becomes a part of the story as well. And you nod your head going, oh, that could be interesting. Like, I've never seen that in Star Trek show, probably where the ship's computer is properly alive and they acknowledge it and they develop it. Oh, that would be great. And oh, then that monkey paw. AI evolving? Uh-huh. And the monkey paw shit pie scenario is, don't you remember, Ryan? You're watching Discovery. So, of course, the ship's personality is, they're emotional. And also, it happens just instantaneously at random points. It was like, in the last episode, it was like, oh, I have emotions now. It's a new development. Yeah. Just like when she's like, oh, I have a name. Data must be so pissed off that everyone can get emotions so easily and he can't. He has to wait for some fucking chip to get in. That still doesn't work right. Like, the Doctor and Voyager can have emotions up the wazoo. All the people in in these shows can have emotions. And and, and it just just must, must gnaw at him. That's why he wanted to die in Star Trek Picard. You know what? I have a theory about that that's based on absolutely nothing and is... Just me trying to talk about something. Anything else? Yeah. You want to hear it? Uh, Yeah, sure. 
So we got time to kill. <laughs> I mean, this episode sucks. Stormy weather sh- is shit. I want to talk about the Zora stuff, but it all boiled down to it's a great idea that they flush down the toilet. It's a great idea that they waste. It's a great idea that they don't know how to actually form. It goes back to that. So, yeah, let's talk about Data from Star Trek Next Generation because he's far more fun. No, it's Zora. Oh, Zora related. Okay, let's, let's bring it back. So, my theory is that as an AI, what Zora observes is regurgitated back into her programming, and she's adaptive. And since everybody on this fucking crew is so extremely melodramatic, mm. it's just it's just compounded her emotional, intellectual abilities. In yeah. a very short period of time. Mm. Whereas, you know, Data got people who had to teach him did their fucking jobs. So uh, yeah. he learnt even more how to be an efficient and effective officer. Starfleet officer. Well, he went to the academy and everything. He needed to prove to be alive even and then there was a court case and then Star Trek Picard flushed that down the toilet. Oh sorry, I had to bring it back to that series. No, Let's it doesn't see. it doesn't flush it down. Oh the sorry, toilet. they flush that episode and wipe their ass with it too while they're doing it. That's not even what I was going for. They go down that S bend uh. and pull that up and then shove it back up your ass and make you shit it out again. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Zora is from the short tracks. And so they have to have her here somehow if they ever want to bother to make that short trick happen. Oh, because they care (sighs) about continuity. What is this? There's a moment at the end where Zora sings a song and I wanted to leave the room. But I remembered in Short Treks that was established. But guess what? That Short Trek is extracurricular material that hasn't taken place in the timeline yet. So you need to build up to her being into musicals and singing and songs. Mm, and they haven't done that here. Just, when... You want to hear a song, uh, No, 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 no. Okay, here's a real thing. Here's a real thing. She sings a song that's the title of the episode. And when she started singing it, I, like with Owo, I was thinking, where did this come from? I rolled my eyes. Where did this come so from? So many times in this episode. When and did she get a when did she get a quirk for singing? And why this song? Tell me why that song other than they named the episode it. Just thematic. For for what? For what? Yeah, that's the answer. That's the answer. Just yeah. that. Over and over. I'm very harsh on this. That's the theme of this episode. I'm very harsh on this because they're taking a bunch of ideas that I've seen before Mm. that have worked, and some of them that could have worked better, and they are doing nothing with them. Absolutely nothing. Worse than nothing. Worse than nothing. There comes that point where they're trying to escape from this void, from this rift, 
and they've garnered all the information they need. They figure out that it's a thing from outside the galactic barrier, and that perks up your interest because Star Trek hasn't really gone outside the galactic barrier no, before. So, stayed ooh, within this our galaxy. Could, this could all be interesting things. Different quadrants, but same galaxy. Yeah, and so that could be interesting. Interesting could be, but not in this episode that we're watching, unfortunately. Not in this show. Not in this show. And they have a lot of the things that you need from a Star Trek episode. There's lots of sci-fi techno babble, exposition dumps, explaining the threat, analyzing the threat, working together in different situations, having having to run away and figure out a scientific solution to the problem, coming up with one that's unconventional but makes sense, and on and on it goes. Like I actually have no problem with how they tried to escape. I'm like, okay, using sonar, old school, and everything yeah, of that nature, that, I was that fine felt with. Fine and. In, in, in amongst all, like the I, some of the ideas are okay, but the way that they do them is so fucking awful. What adds the salt to the wound of awfulness is, I don't even think that they do these things that awfully. They do them most stock standardly what makes it hurt for me though what makes it hurt for me is we keep cutting away to so many things in an episode where i shrug and go what am i watching what am i watching because all the stuff that you just went through if you just describe that you'd go oh that sounds like a episode of voyager that i could have watched Guess what you didn't have in Voyager? When you're having the scenario where they're in the rift and Janeway is trying to figure this out and Belana Torres is saying why this is happening over here and the Doctor's program's fucking up because of this, what you don't have is them cutting to a random character called Grey just faffing about. You don't have that. Oh my god! Having I, having some I, fucking what, angst drama from another with show, with, or you don't cut to someone having a vision of their ghost dad while they have an angst thing from another show. With they, that, they under- no, no. Before you move on, before you move on, the act breaks for this episode are so egregious, fucking awful. The one in particular with Grey going to the bridge. Which takes a while to get to. For no fucking real reason. There's no reason that this news has to be delivered in person. Especially because Zora then says the information anyway. It's so that the actor could have something to do. It's so that they can they can do a dramatic close-up on Grey's face and then cut to black for the ad break. It's it's fucking awful, and every single ad break is a hard cut, and it like it ruins the pacing. Mm. If you can say that this episode had any a strength, I just really needed to get that out because oh, yeah, that yeah. was bugging me the whole fucking episode. Now, now I want to draw parallels to other modern Star Trek shows. Stranger Worlds and Lower Decks, I'm not even talking about the quality that I think of those series or the episodes within them, but when you're in an episode, you're in it. You're not cutting away to shit that doesn't relate to the thing you're here for. This is the opposite. 
you're watching this and you go, okay, here's the plot. They they literally have the, and I think it's a very impressive visual shot of the discovery in the black void of space and it keeps that zooming out neat. and it becomes tiny and tiny and tiny to let you know the, yeah. the, 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 the danger, scale. The, the scale of the danger they're in. And then bam, you go to the opening credits. Great cold open for that. Like you go, Yes, I got it. I can't wait to see how this sci-fi danger plot is going to unfurl. And you see them trying to unfurl it, even if it's clumsy and lazy and stupid and generic. You see them unfurling it and you go, okay, at least they're doing that. Oh, no, we've got to go over here to Ghost Book Dad. Or, oh, no, we've got to go over here to Grey playing a game and being a really bad actor. Really bad actor in this one. I'm sorry, but I've seen that actor in other things, so I know that they can be better than this. They're fucking terrible in this episode. Or we've got to cut over here to the cat. Or we've got to cut over here to the The doctor. The grudge has evolved. Grudge apparently doesn't. Hate burn him now. They keep taking growth. They keep it's growth. They keep taking these odd detours that just kill me. I've been playing this game to help me assimilate into my new body, and maybe if it helps you too, then I'm not just a passenger hanging out in the lounge all day. It'd be nice to feel useful. In that case. I would love to play. There's something very important that I, I think we needed to really get into. It was your favorite thing in the episode. You, I don't you loved talk it. About it. You loved it, which is, you know how this episode's you cool. Can, you can talk about no, no, it on no, your Rachel, own, Rachel. You pointed this that. out to me. You told me the episode is cool because they shot it in slow motion a lot. Come on, Rachel. Talk to me about that. You were the one who pointed that out, that you were telling me that they think this is so cool because of how many times they shot scenes in slow motion. And one of the slow-mo scenes was your favorite, which is the obviously uh, freshly pregnant actress in the body armor walking slowly in slow motion onto the bridge. Freshly pregnant? Well, she just had a kid. So she was freshly pregnant. No. Is that not the correct terminology? She was just freshly pregnant. She's no longer pregnant. Fresh suggests start of pregnancy. When I said was, though, that's that's past tense. Yeah. She was was just freshly pregnant. Yeah, but you are speaking in past tense of this episode. I got you engaged, though. I tricked you. No, but seriously... Do you like how now they have boob armor for uh, their space outfits? They didn't used to have. They didn't used to have up. boob armor. It lights up too. It's lighting up boob armor. Your favorite character returned, Sparks, by the way. Sparks in slow motion. I'm sorry. We have to just mention no the, the flame throws. No flame throws. I know you want to move on to the Huda. We will, but the slow motion had to be mentioned. I don't think they've ever used as much slow motion as they do in this episode. And guess what? I have an eye for this. I studied film. I have an eye. There was a scene where they used slow motion on book where they obviously didn't film it for slow motion. They just did it in post and it was fucking noticeable. Choppy frame rates were just all over the place. It looked awful. I don't know why they did that there. 
I guess you wanted to add a poignancy there, but you could have just trusted the actor in the frame because his physicality was working for you. Your book was doing the job. The actor of book, trust him. You don't need to manipulate that in post-production. Same with the music. And to wrap this out, to go into the Huda, a criticism that I don't think I've ever mentioned before, ever, there was a line Michael said on the speakers to everyone, which is, she says something along something along the lines of, uh, you, you all have had courage. Do you remember this? Unfortunately, I have rarely felt this excluded from Star Trek because it felt so American to me. <laughs> The music, the slow mo, the the treats you so fucking dumb. The the military machismo. You got courage, and you guys are great. And they might as well have had a flag. It's been an honor serving with you. Star Trek's been guilty of feeling very American. Obviously, Kirk read the Constitution. Uh, a bunch of people one time. Enterprise is a nine eleven post nine eleven fever dream of a oh show. Boy. And as someone who's not American, it's very alienating to me. Yeah, yeah, it happens. It, it happens. It just. You know what else happens? <laughs> the Hudar, where we check in and we discuss the. Is that a pun? Check in because he's a doctor. Like character of Hugh Culver. Who's that? And he was in this episode. Was he? And he smiled and nodded. What else did he do? He gave some exposition. You do not sound happy. Come on, Rachel. It's Hugh. Let's get happy. He's evolved so much in this show. In the fourth season... He tells Book about what's going on with his brain. Oh, did he do it in a... And then he doesn't do it good enough, so the actual... Doctor character. Head of the department. She's not, actually. Let's never forget, we've never met the chief medical officer. She ain't it either. (laughs) She's just another doctor. No, no, no. No, no, they've made it clear she's equal to him. Yes. I didn't say chief. I said, uh, like, but he is, she's more in charge of things than he is a lot of the time. That's what I meant. She, you mean, the, you just mean <sighs> we've seen her more often. Yeah. What's her name? Tell me. We've covered the show. We, we've said her name. Tell me her name. I know. But do you? No. And they say it in this episode. Dr. Pollard. Thank you. Remember when Remember when Jonathan from 30 Rock was the doctor on the Shenzhou and we were so happy to see him because we like that actor and he's fun and uh, we thought, and ooh, and then he died and then that was the end of that. It, uh, we've been praising Wilson Cruz's performance in this season as Hugh Colbert. Uh, they've at least tuned in writing-wise to give him lines that work well for that actor to deliver. A little bit of sass, a little bit of wisdom. Here he is the Doctor character. He delivers medical exposition, and that's a thankless job. Techno babble and medical babble is fucking difficult for actors because it's all foreign to the tongue. It, it, how do you spin that? 
Some actors are really great at it, some aren't, and he's not. No. And the the primary reason he's not is usually you think about it as a vocal delivery problem because they're having to say all of these complicated words. Make it sound like they're confident in what they're saying and how they're saying it. I'm going to present what his problem as an actor is when he delivers medical exposition. And while I deliver that, I want you to answer to me, Rachel why he has mm-hmm. this as an actor as a problem, which is he's smiling when he delivers the lines. Like, he is grinning and smiling as he's delivering yeah. all you of can, this medical exposition. You can hear the smile in his voice. That's a problem? Um, why, does, mm-hmm. why, why, is he, well, why is he doing that? I don't know. Because he's just really happy to be doing his job, I guess. He's really happy to tell Brooke about this tragic injury to his brain. Yeah. Because, you know, it's going away, so it's going to be fine, Brooke. Would you want a doctor to give you any sort of news like that? No. With a big smile on their face? No. No, I wouldn't. Wilson, I know you're listening, buddy. Stop that. Stop that. You know, you, you've been able to stop that in the past, but you as an actor, as this role at least, your neutral expression is a big smile. And we joke about it on the pod. It's been a little while since we've actually watched the Discovery episode. It's been a couple of weeks. We took a little bit of a break off. And I I, I, I genuinely didn't expect my critique of, oh, he's going to smile and nod to be in effect so strongly in this. <sighs> It it really is. It really is. And that's all I want to say about Hugh Colber in this episode. Because that is all he does. He, book, no, no, Michael wakes up from having just basically set herself on fire. terrifying. And you get a POV shot. I was like, this is my worst nightmare. No, my worst nightmare would be a POV shot of fucking Ash Tyler. That would have been a fucking nightmare for me. I laughed. Discovery's never funny. Outside of Yum Yum, of course. Very funny line. That was one of the biggest laughs I've ever had in the show. Uh, 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 Next to, I should... It's equal to when we saw Hugh in Paul's eye in season two. This was the tear shot is also up there. That's for pretty me. good. But seeing Hugh Colber leaning over in a POV shot with multiple of him because blurry vision, smiling with a rictus grin it's... and giggling. That's not what you want to see no! when you wake up. When you wake up no! oh! from having been knocked Everything out. Everything about this is wrong. Everything about this is wrong. Everything about this episode is wrong. Everything about it is awful. It's a yum from me. I just want to hear what I'm going to be suffering next. Yum. It's a yum from me. Yum. This is the worst episode of season four. We're six episodes in. We've given a yum to every single episode. And I don't know if it's that we're being harsher or the show just isn't... Like it hasn't had any redeeming well, the qualities. Suggest that it is the worst season. There's just been not enough. Fucking There's... season three to me had the best episode the entire series has ever done, and I still 
herald, herald that as the worst season of Discovery Season 3. Now we're six in. We've rated every single one a yum. I'm I'm thrown in the towel. I have to admit it. This is this is the worst season. Thank I used you. to think it wasn't because People of Earth and Sukal and the ending of that season three really upset me, like really angered me. But Jesus Christ, I at least had something. I, I at least had I something. I can no longer find a silver lining within these episodes. It's, I just, I, I, it's I, dead. I just can't anymore. It, it's dead. Um, Discovery's dead. Like, like I know it. Dead, I know. I know. So I know. It has more about the zombie corpse. I know. Episode yeah. seven. And I know Discovery isn't dead. It has more episodes, and it's renewed for this. But I, we said it early on. It, it when you come back to rewatching when you're watching season four to begin with, but especially revisiting it, it really is like walking over a grave. It is just bleak. It's depressing to watch, and not in the sense that, say, Better Call Soul is a depressing show, but it's actually a really well-made show, and the fact that it is depressing is the goal that is achieved because of the writing there. This is depressing in the sense of how far we've fallen, and the fact that we fell from such a low place to begin with is really, really unfortunate. Okay, every time I think that it's rock bottom. Well, Rachel. You dig down a little deeper. We've got an episode. Find some more. More corpses. We've got an episode that's actually higher rated. 5.7 for the next one. And the title, and I have to read it correctly, so please, the title is as such but to connect. See, it had some dot, dot, dots before it, so I had a little pause there so that you knew that I was saying it correctly at home. But to connect. Episode 7, and it is as such according to the IMDb description. Tensions rise as representatives from across the galaxy gather to confront the threat of the dark matter anomaly. Zora's new sentience raises difficult questions. That, that I think that's the one with David Cronenberg, and I'm just going to confirm. Yes. Mom, he's I, in a number of things. Oh, but this is the main one, right? He, where he comes aboard to be like, ah, your computer's alive, we need he, to kill it. He got those paychecks. To spoil a little bit for that one, I remembered enjoying the the David Cronenberg side of it to a degree. I remember the same. I remember being like, I am glad that they're following through on some consequences yep. for this. It matters mm-hmm. that Zora is sentient. It's unusual. <laughs> I'm sorry. Every time we say Zora, it makes me giggle because I think of in Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, Zori Bliss, the bounty hunter character that served no purpose. And like with that, Discovery has a lot of characters like Zori Bliss where they serve no function and yet they are named and they are given lots of screen time. But that is all we have for you when it comes to Yum Yum Trek. This time we talked about an episode of Star Trek Discovery with both very passionate, very... Oh, 
Oh, Rachel. Oh, oh, I need to see Dr. Hugh Colber. My blood temperature. Oh, the temperature of my blood because it's boiling, Rachel. It's boiling with rage. I'm going through pond maybe. Oh, I'm just joshing around. I'm just having a joke. I'm just joshing and draking around. Oh, man, oh, man. This just was. Just let me leave now, please. No, no, no. We can't leave because we're on the internet. And people can just find us anywhere, Rachel. Technically, we're here forever, as long as the internet is around on all of those social medias but under I Yum get Yum to Podcast. Leave the room now. There is no room, Rachel. Only the sounds of our voices. That's what is. That's what is. And uh, the sounds of our voices can be found. They can find us on various social medias at Yum Yum Pod or Yum Yum Podcast, as well as all of the podcast hosting sites, as uh, including YouTube, even Catcher. Yeah, you use, and even more of them now than Mm. when we started. Yeah, there's a lot more. There's even some spicy ones. Rachel looked at me confused, like, what do you mean some spicy ones? I know what you mean by spicy ones. I don't want to talk about you anymore. About me anymore? I don't want to talk about your choices. That's not what I'm here for. I was just trying to plug the fact that you should give us a yum-yum review on your podcatcher of choice that allows you to. If you want to directly contact us, then you can do so at yumyumpod at gmail.com. If you want even more content from us... There's a lot. We've got a There's lot a of episodes. Lot. There's a lot of stories there. Ryan made me give you one earlier oh, for yeah. free. Wanted to put it behind the paywall. He said no. 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 But there is plenty there for you to stick your teeth into. Yeah, on our Patreon that we have. Because we're just going around it like we have lots of bonus content that you can find. But it's on our Patreon, which you can look at in the description. Many a tears. Not tears as in terms of Rachel's eyes welling up with liquid tears, but tears as in uh, different power rankings, I guess. You can uh, join a group Discord, no matter the tier you select for our Patreon, where you can talk to fellow yumlings and ping Rachel on Discord saying that we need to... uh, Give her some kind of reconciliation for having to revisit Star Trek Discovery. Uh, I will admit something to end this on. Uh, Admit a a truth that will make you both angry and pleased to hear. This was one of those times where I was watching an episode of Star Trek Discovery and I really second-guessed the fact that we have a podcast talking about this fucking show. Because it was really one of those episodes where I just looked at it and went, why the fuck do I have to talk about this when they couldn't be bothered to write anything? It was one of those, and I wanted to admit that to you now, Rachel. I didn't want to hold that back for the season recap. I wanted to let you know now. Because I know you feel that way many of the times, but this was one of the few for me. And uh, I wanted to be... Man enough, as Book's dad would say, to express that to you, my wife, who I love and respect, unlike Book when it comes to Michael. I I actually drink the respect woman juice, unlike him. He says he drinks it, but he doesn't drink it. He 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 
he does that trick where in in movies where it looks like he's drinking it, but he's just throwing it over his shoulder and it looks like he's just drunk it, but then it's sprayed on someone at the back, probably Grey. Grey's like, what's this? What's this liquid all over me? They were in the bar lounge thing. Oh, what a character. (sighs) Grey would have said yum yum in this episode, by the way. That's what I got to say. Adira was here too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we mentioned them at any point. Whoa, they whoa. got their first bridge assignment. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did the writer of the episode come in just to remind us that Adira was here too, guys? I wrote Adira in the episode. Didn't you notice? Didn't you notice? They were behind Saru over there. Did you see them? Did you see the actor playing playing that amazing character Adira? They did the thing you love where they bogged out their eyes and tucked their chin into their throats. Did you see it? They were in the episode. Yumlings, you didn't know this, but the um, Adira was actually sitting in the room with us. Just quietly in the corner. Not saying a word. Not saying a word, but but their presence is felt throughout the entire discussion. 